If you want to retain new users to your website, it's important to optimize your website for engagement. When readers stay on your website longer, they are more likely to actually read your content, to understand your niche and how you can help them, and ultimately to take action. In this episode, I'm sharing seven ways that you can improve the engagement on your website. Hey friend, I'm Madison Wetherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers and your host for the Vine podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume, and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Hey, hey, friends. So excited that you are tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast, and this is going to be a really, really fun episode. Before I dig into the actual content of this episode, I wanted to first say a welcome to those of you who are brand new to the podcast, or if you are a return listener who has been listening for a long time, thank you so much for tuning in today and just being a part of what we're doing here at the Vine Podcast. My name is Madison Wetherill. I'm the founder and CEO over at Grace and Vine Studios. And over there, we specialize in building brands and websites for food bloggers who are looking to take their business to the next level They're looking to stand out in the crowded world of food blogging, and they're looking to create their own path of success, whatever that means to them. As always, you can head over to graceandvinestudios.com and you can click on the services tab to learn a little bit about the different ways that we work with our clients, but we still have our top secret offer that we are only sharing with people over email and through little teasers in this podcast because we just don't have the actual sales page ready to go yet. So if you're looking to approach a website refresh a little bit differently, we have our new offer, which is called our crafted website package that we are so excited about. This is our new way of serving food bloggers who are not quite ready for a custom website, but they're really tired of using the same theme that everybody else is using. They're tired of having tech issues with that theme, and they're just looking for a different type of experience when it comes to refreshing their website. So if you're looking to break away from some of the pre-made themes and you're ready to create something unique that doesn't look like everybody else's food blog, we would love to chat with you. Our website package does not sacrifice SEO or site speed or design ability to be able to create something amazing for you. So if that sounds like something that you've been looking for, I would love to chat with you more. You can go over to our website and fill out the contact form there, or you can send me a message over on Instagram and I will share all of the details that you need to know about our crafted website package and how it can significantly increase and improve your website and the goals that you have for your business. Now, our last little note before we dive into today's topic is my behind the microphone little note that I like to share every week. And that is that I have some travel coming up in the next month. feels like it has been a really long time. It's actually been over a year, I think, since I've traveled on a plane, not quite that long, but it's just been a long time since I've gone on a trip and specifically gone on a trip that is a business trip. So I'm really excited to be going away and being able to have some alone time I'm going to be traveling with a friend for one of them and then by myself for another one. And I'm excited to just have some time to focus and spend time thinking about my business. 
And so if you have any recommendations for things that I should do or see or eat in Nashville, I would love to hear those. You can head over to Instagram at Grace and Vine and share those with me there. Okay, so we're talking about engagement today. Now, I don't think engagement is something that is really new for food bloggers, but it is something that is a new metric that we have in GA4. But we've always wanted to have our readers engage with our website, to take action and to stay longer on the page. So something that is a really common goal that our clients have when we work with them to redesign their website is to increase engagement and pages per visit. And while website design has a lot to do with how we do this, and there's a lot of strategies that we put into play for our clients, there are also a lot of things that you can do on your own with a little bit of strategy and intention to be able to increase engagement. So today I'm going to go over seven different ways that you can increase engagement on your website. And some of these are going to be really easy to do on your own. Some of them are going to be more of a project for yourself. And some of them might even be the reason that you decide it's time to redesign your website. Because a lot of these things that I'm going to talk about today are things that we are doing within our new crafted website package. And they're things that we've been doing with our clients for years, but it's really become such a priority in the way that we're working with clients because of the way that users are using our website these days. So number one is to use animations to draw attention. With all of the noise that is out there and all of the different avenues of information that people are taking in every day, it's really hard to get users to pay attention. And so one of the things that we can do is use really simple forms of animation to help people pay attention and hopefully take action. One of these ways that I love is the subscribe feature from Grow that is the Spotlight Subscribe feature. If you're not familiar with this, basically what it does is as you are scrolling down a website page, the rest of the page besides the subscribe form goes a little bit darker so that the subscribe form is actually popping off of the page. This subtle animation, one, gets you to stop your scroll, two, gets you to actually pay attention and read it, and three, most of the time gets people to subscribe, especially if you have a really strategic approach to what you're asking or what you're trying to give your reader in order for them to subscribe. This can be really, really effective. The second way that you can do this or that you can focus on using animations is things like having your icons for your categories. First of all, the icons themselves for categories are really eye-catching and help people pay attention and to quickly see things as they're scrolling. But if you can make them do something on hover, that can be another great way to add in that subtle animation to draw attention and get people to click. This is also another reason why the hover effect on desktop when you are hovering over a link helps entice you to click on the link and it also helps you to know that it's a link to click on in the first place. So those are just some subtle animations that you can use. I'm sure there's many more that you could use, but just different ways to make things feel different and do encourage users to engage with them. The second way that you can increase engagement is kind of counterintuitive, but it is to limit the amount of options that you're giving someone of what to do. Mostly what I mean by this is reducing the amount of things that are popping up and filling your screen as a page is loading. So if you have things like an email pop up, a Facebook banner, a cookie notification and a privacy policy and all of these things that are popping up on top of all of your ads, it is going to be completely 
distracting to your reader and they might even get so frustrated that they just go back to Google. So you want to make sure on the first load of your site that there is a clean experience happening, that the user interface and user experience is really gentle in a way. I'm not saying that you shouldn't use pop-ups or that those things are not valuable down the road, but if all of it is loading one on top of another, it's very distracting. So you want to make sure that you are reducing the amount of things that are happening in the first load and kind of deferring or delaying those other things loading. However, do not be afraid to use Google-friendly pop-ups or the modal forms that are going to help your reader to see what you want them to see when you want them to see it. So again, we're not going to have this load in the first millisecond that your page is loading, but maybe it's 30% down the page. Maybe it's once they have visited multiple pages and on their third load, they're going to see that pop-up come up. You really want to target someone who is a warm lead. If you think about it from like a service provider perspective, somebody who is warm and has been exploring your site a little bit is going to be much more likely to subscribe than somebody who just loaded your page and doesn't even know what your website is called yet. Another thing to think about when it comes to limiting the options is that less is more when it comes to your navigation menu. Now, a lot of the pre-made themes do not allow you to have a complex menu, which is a good thing. Although typically the the basic menu doesn't end up being enough. We want to give people a couple of more options, but in general, you want to make sure that you are really tailoring the rest, the navigation to help people to find the right content. Your recipe index is really going to be your best friend when it comes to SEO and helping Google to understand how your categories are laid out on your site. But it's also the best thing for your users to be able to find exactly what they want to find. Now, in the past, there's been a lot of use of things like a filterable category recipe index type of thing. Those do not tend to be used very well by users, and they're not great for experience. So what you really want to be able to do here is just make it easy for people to find the content that they're looking for by either having a really great search menu or a really great recipe index page where all of your categories are laid out easily for people to jump right to a category. Speaking of jumping, we also want to make sure that if we're using a jump to top button, that it's only in the footer. We don't want it to be floating on the side of the page because then it's going to get in the way of the other things that we have on the page, like recommendations from grow or your social icons and things like that. So we want to make sure that that jump to top button is only in the footer and that it's not just adding extra noise to the design of your website. Okay. Our next section of ways to increase engagement is probably one of my favorite, and that is to enhance the style of your blog post. Now we focus a lot of our time and energy on all of the pages of your food blog when we work with clients on redesigning their website, but the page that needs the most attention is the page that has your blog posts. So your single blog post, your single page, whatever you want to call it, this is where you have the most opportunity to engage your readers because to be honest, it's the only page that you're guaranteed that they're going to see. We don't really know if your readers are going to bounce back to Google or Pinterest or if they're going to just X out and never come back. So when they first come to your blog post, we have a lot of opportunity to capitalize on that first view and to provide a really great experience. The first thing that you can do is to make sure you're using blocks to break up your content and to draw attention. Regardless of what niche you are in, it's really common for bloggers to have long strings of text 
and multiple paragraphs in a row. We want to make sure, even if you are not using images heavily in your posts, that you are breaking up that text with things like headings or blocks with different colored backgrounds to help the information stand out as people are skimming through your content. On that note though, you want to make sure that your images are interesting. You don't want to just have the finished dish over and over and over again. Add interesting images that highlight an ingredient in your in your post or parts of the process that are difficult or just are easy to photograph and make beautiful. Focus on the highlighted finished dish at the top and the bottom of the post, but in between, add some variety into your images so that it's more interesting for your readers to stop and pay attention to what it is you're sharing. You can also add things like custom patterns for affiliate products that you recommend. I mentioned this in last week's episode about different revenue streams, but one of the things that the Tasty Links plugin has is a featured product widget. And that can be really handy for promoting something that is unique for that post and making it something that people feel like is really shoppable and easy for them to just add it to their cart. Use the FAQ block to help readers know where to find the questions that you are answering. This is also great for SEO, but you can also make this in an accordion style and you can style it with a different background color to match the rest of your branding and to help it stand out against the rest of your content. You also want to experiment with adding the your email opt-in directly into your content. I mentioned already grow.me is a great example of this that's going to add this automatically into your content. But if you're not using that, there's other custom ways to inject your opt-in and you can even target it to specific categories if you have specific opt-ins that are based on a category of content. Again, this is something that we do in our crafted website projects and in our custom website projects. And this is a great way to really capitalize on a specific interest that your audience has shown that they already have by landing on something like an instant pot recipe or an air fryer recipe or in healthy, you know, a healthy category of recipes. Now, right along with the rest of the content in your single post is number four is to focus on your recipe card. This is the gold of your blog post. This is where your readers are going to. It's what they are looking for. And we want to maximize what we are doing with the recipe card itself. Again, we know readers are going to it. We know that the jump to recipe button is going to help them get there quickly, which I didn't mention that specifically, but definitely recommend that for engagement and just usability of your website. But when it comes to your recipe card, First of all, make sure that the design is engaging. If you are using just the basic template that whatever recipe card plugin you're using uses, it is going to, first of all, not look very great because they're not the most well-designed. Second, it's going to look like a handful of other food blogs, so it's not going to stand out in your content. And a lot of the time, it doesn't really use a lot of custom colors to help your recipe card pop off of the page. So you wanna make sure that the design you're using in your recipe card is really engaging. If you have a call to action at the bottom of your recipe card, like a lot of these plugins have, make sure that stands out. Use an icon that is eye-catching, use a heading and text that is engaging to get your readers to do what you want them to do. You can also do a little trick with your printed recipe page, and that is to add in your site URL or even a related post to your recipe print page. So when someone prints out your recipe card, it is going to look different than it does on your computer if you have selected a a different template for the print card. But in that, a lot of the time, it won't even have your URL. So make sure that you put your URL or your brand name in there. So when someone prints out the recipe, they can come back to your website later. 
You also want to experiment with the content that is around your recipe card. So either right above it or right below it. Experiment with adding another opt-in right below or right above the recipe card or having your most important action right there. So if you have something like a product that you want them to buy or another post that they should look at, experiment with having those things directly above or below the recipe card because again, that's where we know our readers are going to. You can also link to other posts or products or important information directly in your recipe card. If it's something like an additional ingredient that they need to make ahead of time, like a pesto that goes with it, you do want to include the ingredients and the steps for that part of the process in your recipe card, but you can definitely link to it in the recipe card in the notes or something like that so that they're able to see it. And, or another option for this too, is if you include a lot of substitutions or tips in the body of your blog post, talk about that in the recipe card in the notes section. It can be as simple as saying like, go, you know, scroll up to the body of the post to see my substitutions and recommendations. It's something that is training your reader on how to engage with your website. The fifth way that you are going to optimize your website for engagement is to focus on your comment form. Now, users are rarely leaving comments, but if they do, it is mostly because they're trying to leave a rating for your recipe. So knowing that, you wanna make sure that you are capitalizing on that comment form. One way to do this is to make sure that your comment form allows for email opt-ins when a comment is left. I will link to a plugin that does this really, really well that we are loving, and it's really easy to set up and you can do it with multiple different types of email marketing platforms, but it's a great way to take the action that somebody is already taking by leaving a comment and getting them to subscribe to your email list in one click. I also would recommend encouraging your readers to leave a comment or a rating by using a different type of block in your post. So again, this is going to be something that has a different background color and stands out, but put it in every single post. So you are training your readers of what to do in my email newsletter for my blog. I have also been putting that in my newsletter and asking people to leave a five-star rating and comment for the recipe if they try it. And that's just a great way to continue to reiterate that that's what you want your readers to do and how you can ask them to engage with you. Number six is to utilize the post header space on your blog. This is going to be the top most part of your blog post. And to be honest, it is very underutilized by food bloggers. One way that you can do this is leverage the total social shares that you have to provide additional trust and validation to your reader that this is a recipe that they should make. You can also do this by including the ratings up in your header, but even just having the social share count is going to be really valuable to readers who are checking out your blog for the first time and wondering if this recipe is going to work. And if you can show them that it has had 500 shares or 2000 shares or 20,000 shares, it's going to increase the trust factor right away that this is a recipe that they can trust and, and that they can try. If you don't have 500 or more shares, then don't share the total count. And you can have this, you can set this up in your grow social sharing settings if you're using that plugin to be able to limit what number it shows. But this is just a really great way to show readers that they can trust your content. This is another area where we want to be really strategic and mindful about what we are showing. You do not have to have every single piece of content and information that you can in that post meta section. You want to have your author name and have it linked to your about page. 
You want to have the date published and the date last updated or a combination of those two. And finally, the jump to recipe button or a link to jump to recipe. Do not put your print button by the jump to recipe card button though. The reason for this is that it's going to severely decrease the engagement on your site if someone jumps onto your page and immediately goes over and prints the recipe. They really haven't engaged on the site at all. They haven't seen any ads and your RPMs are going to suffer. So we have seen with clients where we do two things to increase their RPM. One is to make the jump to recipe button less obvious and a little bit more subtle, making it like text only. And then the second is to remove that print button completely and keep the print button just in the recipe card itself. And doing both of these things will definitely increase the RPMs and the engagement that you're going to see on your site. Now, number seven is just a little bonus tip for you, and that is to give your readers a way to support you. Now, that can be something like adding a buy me coffee link to encourage them to support you. Could be something like setting up a PayPal tip jar or something like a Patreon where you are actually giving them more information or more content for their membership, if you will. But this is just a great way to get the people who really love your content and who are dedicated to support you in a really small way. When somebody exchanges even a little bit of money for what you are doing or your their email list for what you're doing, they are that much more bought into what you are doing and they're more likely to become an advocate for your brand. So giving them just a simple way to send you $5 to buy a coffee is a really great way to get those dedicated readers to engage and to support you. Now, friends, I know that that was a ton of information in this episode, but I really wanted to just give you lots of quick ways to be able to increase the engagement of your website. Like I mentioned a couple of times in this episode, if these are some things that you are like, yes, those all sound amazing and I would love to do those, then we would love to support you in doing just that through our crafted website package. To find out more about that package and what it's all about, what different types of add-ons we have in that package as well, you can head over to our website at graceandvinestudios.com, fill out the contact form, and our team will get right back to you with information about that package and how it all works. Or you can head over to Instagram at graceandvine and just DM me and ask about that package, and I would love to share more information with you about it. I hope this episode was super exciting and helpful for you guys about how you can increase the engagement on your website to retain your users better. I would love to know what you guys thought of this episode and which tip you are going to implement first. So again, go over and connect with me at Grace and Vine on Instagram. So until next week, friends, I hope you will go out and make your website better and more engaging and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to the vinepodcast.com. Talk soon.